0: So I, I just uh, was listening to uh, Caleb's uh, comments, and uh, there was a lot of interesting ideas that he said that were really subtle. He kind of threw them out, and uh, as I I listened to them more, I, I just want to talk about a, a few of them um, because I think they are kind of important. You know, when you look at when you look at uh, content, for example, we were talking about the email where we can use Siri to analyze our emails. And he pointed out that uh, perhaps you could have Siri scan for events in the email. Uh, those things could be like if you want to set up a, an appointment, for example, if he, you know who's contracting, he wants to talk to a recruiter. The recruiter wants to set up an interview time. Uh, Siri could look at available uh, <clears throat> slots that are open, and maybe it sees that. Uh, Preferred time for interviews would be on a Friday at between uh, ten and two. Uh, so there's a ten hour, uh, ten o'clock opening. There's a two o'clock opening. One hour slots are open. So it could, it could maybe call back the recruiter and say, you know, we've got two slots that are open for interviewing uh, ten a.m. and also two a.m. or two a.m. And then and then the recruiter could tell Siri, uh, you know, I'll take the two o'clock. Uh, interview time. Then Siri could then notify Caleb and say, "Hey, uh, the recruiter is requesting a two o'clock appointment. Yes or no? And if he said yes, then it would just go ahead and and post that that work uh, flow item into uh, the Apple appointments. And so, from that perspective, then Siri could be very useful for you know scanning important information like uh, calendar events out of the emails. So I thought that was an interesting idea. And I'm not sure if if Siri already can do that or if there's other applications that are used for managing email that have that capability. Uh, Another one that that, uh, uh, Siri could do is it could scan your emails and detect when there's lots of incoherence to the email. So it could be something like spam or there's uh, certain vulgarity words that were exchanged in the email. and so it just automatically filtered those out. So in that sense, uh, you can see Siri as more of an assistant, uh, especially with the you know our usage of email for communication. Siri could be used to uh, to reduce the amount of time we have waste in looking at emails that are not uh, we don't want, we want to discard. And it almost makes you wonder if email is going to be dead in the future that we're going to be moving to more more like uh, teams where you have circles of trusted individuals. Individuals can't collaborate with you or correspond with you unless they they are uh, recognized and and, uh, known entities. And, And so for a person to communicate with you, they need to come on your network, they need to be accepted into your network, they have to have some credentials. We don't want unknown credentials coming on our network. We want to know they're human beings, that they're people we trust, uh, and we want to know why they want to communicate with us. So, you know, why not let Siri do a lot of that uh, filtering and selection for us? Oh, you know, there could be a pre-screen filtering that Siri goes through. You know, someone tries to send an email to us, and and uh, it does a scan to check for viruses. Uh, if it if it uh, if there's no viruses, then the next the next thing Siri does is uh it. Uh, contacts the individual either by phone or to you know like a two two-way authentication to communicate calls about says you know or, or sends back an email and says you know uh part of you know communicating with uh mr nishmo requires you to be able to you know identify who you are so we're going to send you back an email and confirm that you who you are and and then it, it sends back the email and they reply back yes i'm a human being and it sends you forward or uh, you know, it could be a, just a voice communication where you know makes a phone call to them and they say, yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a real person. Then once they're authenticated, they're on your network and uh, they can continue to communicate until they're you know, either blocked or or uh, you know removed from the network. But I see that more of the future is that things are going to be closing down. We don't want to have communication with individuals that have hostile or Potentially uh, damaging uh, programs or, or, or statements to our uh, well-being, and so that that's going to be important for Siri to act as a shield, and that's going to be a, a you know a big responsibility. But I could see how, where if we're interacting by voice, we're trusting them, her to do many different things for us, and I think eventually uh, cybersecurity will. Uh, be an important aspect, especially where, you know, you look at cybercrime, uh um, all these different types of, of uh, activities that can cause damage to your system and to the organization. Uh, we just can't allow that kind of behavior to come onto our network. So we need to have a, a guardian or a shield that protects us, and I think that that will possibly be a role that that, uh, um, that could be taken here by the machine. Uh, so that was a really good insight that he shared, and I'm going to have to be more careful. I listen to what he's saying because he's a very careful thinker, and, and a lot of times he interjects things that uh, you know have a uh, a lot of of uh, weight to them. So that one definitely is a topic that uh, I, I thought about. And I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit more. You know, another one that he talked about that I thought was really interesting is the media content. Now he worked in a got a company that that uh, controlled you know, some media content. And, you know, when you look at the, the home and you look at the amount of hours that our kids are spending on media, uh, you know, it's kind of a concern, you know, it affects their their performance and academically, you know, if they're playing games all night, they're not getting their homework done. Uh, it, it affects them socially, you know, because, uh, you know, they should be having times to, to interact socially with the family. It's a time to get together and communicate and have fun and do things together as a family and read books and, and uh, have good discussions and, and play games and things like that together so that we, we you have that uh, bonding effect. Um, and even with my karate students, I tell them, you know, you shouldn't be practicing, you shouldn't be playing video games all night. You should be practicing your karate. You should be working on, you know, your skills. And, uh, you know, it requires you to sacrifice some of that time uh, that you're you're escaping into the games and and, and uh, spend the time disciplining your mind, body, and soul. So, uh,
1: you know, those are
0: competition of the mind. The computer has always been a competition of the mind, for the mind. And, uh, you know, it's a fantastic tool for extending the mind, but also it's a competition for uh, our attention. And so we have to balance that out. And that is an important thing that he also brought up is you know people are becoming more conscious about their kids they want to, they want to drop they want to see when they're at work what their kids are doing so they've set up cameras in the homes to see you know what their kids are doing who they're with what they're doing and and to provide parental guidance whether it be uh, remote or or uh, you know making a phone call or or in this case you know shutting down some media that needs to be offline for a little while um Another thing that he brought up, what I thought was kind of interesting, was uh, this idea of the social machine. Would you, you know, you, you, we, we talk about a uh, computer being a friend. And I remember when I was a kid watching, uh, uh, reading a book about a blue boy and a robot. They were on some planet, I think it was the moon. And the the robot every night would have to shut down and it would have to recharge. And the boy would always be sad because his friend robot had to go offline and and uh he was uh
1: uh not not available
0: and uh one day the the dome that was protecting him which provide oxygen it cracked and so the robot had to take uh, the boy to safety. So the boy was, the robot was more like a friend than it was you know, he could confide in the friend and the robot, the robot would protect him, had the algorithms that um were designed to ensure the safety of the boy and that you know I didn't the book didn't talk about the boy's parents I don't know if he his parents were
1: busy at work
0: or if he was you know an orphan there on the on the moon and it didn't say but the robot had the fantastic capabilities it was faster than a human being it was stronger you know it had the the kind of cyborg uh, uh, capabilities of the bionic man but it, it was a it was a machine it wasn't uh hybrid I think uh you know when you look at uh, computers that and, and then the investment we're making into social interactive computers, I think that that will be an area that will be very interesting uh as we we speak and have conversations and unlike we were talking about these could be full conversations in context of a storyline so Why couldn't the machine learn our story? We're having a verbal communication, just like you and I are having a communication. We're sharing ideas, we're sharing nouns and verbs and adjectives, and uh, we're putting this together in this uh, massive network, a memory network actually, of how things interact, how they interrelate, how one thing connects to another, how one sentence connects to another, how one idea connects to another idea. Why couldn't the graph, why couldn't the memory graph be kept in persistent memory? And so the machine could analyze the context of the conversation. It could learn from the conversation. It could expand on uh, the ideas that were being discussed. And isn't that the way we interact with other people is that we share ideas and those ideas become seeds And if there's something of interest or importance that we share with another human being, that that becomes a focus for them, and they concentrate their effort and resources to expand on those ideas and uh, gain mastery over those ideas. So, you know, I thought with uh, some of the things that we were talking about, that Caleb and I were talking about, he picked up on that, you know, that, you know, how would you feel about... A machine that you're engaged in a a conversation, but not only just a conversation about nothing, a conversation that was important to you. It could be about personal things, about your family history, about your work, about dynamics between your relationships with other people, and if the machine could keep all the context of that in persistent memory uh, and then be able to demonstrate an understanding of those uh, conversations what level of usefulness would that have? Especially if you had a conversation that was a year ago and, uh, on a topic, and the machine could recall those conversations and, and summarize what your conclusions were or what it, its observations were about the conversation. Would that be useful to you? And, uh, again, this is where, you know, the uh, long-term memory and storage of information uh, that relates to conversations could be very useful. So the idea that the computer being a friend um, could be a trend in the future where we look at machines not just as slaves or to do our tasks, but also look at the machines as, as our friend to be able to do uh, to keep the memory state and the emotional states that we were going through at the time. I've thought about that. You know, at one time that, you know, as storage becomes exponentially cheaper, as computational powers follow Moore's law, that, you know, our lives are what become valuable. Our time becomes valuable. The events that we spend our time on, the, the, the interactions with people that we have uh, become cherished. And, and White Path can the Machine record those events, our life histories and our thoughts and our conversations that we're sharing with the machine, just like we're sharing Conversations now, and, and that these conversations, if recorded and saved for long term, could be a source of interesting wealth later, as people reflect and think about where we came from and where we're going. You know, will we in the in a hundred years from now, will we when we talk to the machines and we are, are reminiscing about what what occurred in the early part of the 21st century, will we? We find that uh, that the, the the fact that the, the person's whole life history wasn't on digital seemed kind of uh, strange, almost like the 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 time where people communicated by written letter instead of by email. You know, the, it's it's interesting as the amount of information and logic uh, have been growing very quickly. How little. Uh, sharing is still really occurring and that the collaboration of group think and group efforts is still very minimal. And so we don't have this, uh, we don't have this uh, collective efforts that are going, we don't have this, uh, a lot of shared interests that are, are being universally uh, shared by large groups of people and, and uh, people working together for common causes, you know, bringing light into the world know, we, we do we are we as uh as says uh individuals who sit in darkness, you know. Perhaps there is a great light and uh, you know, that light I believe is Christ that and that uh, he brings all good things to our life. It, and maybe in the twenty first century that the machine as a tool of the mind can bring many ideas to light and help us to make the world a better place. That's my hope. You know, I don't want to. I don't believe in a, me, a megalith machine that rules over us like a god. I, I think that that would be an idol, and uh, you know, I don't see the machine as a as a threat that way. But I do see the machine as a tool. It's an engine of creation. It's a it's a tool for uh, doing work, and and that's what we're really talking about. Is we're taking electricity, we're putting it through logic, that logic is doing. Uh, task, Those tasks represent uh, work, and so we're we're actually increasing our ability to do work, and uh, we're hoping that the result of more work will be a, a better life. You know, we we were talking about how machines could reduce doing uh, labor that uh, was very is very time consuming or was very time consuming that could be done through automation. So we can now take the logic of that work. Apply it to machine and and uh, uh, computers and robots and uh, be able to perform those tasks that offer value uh, without having to have a person do it. I remember what, here seeing a uh, a person doing some manual labor and uh, you know all they did was uh, sit in front of a boiler and 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 do some sort of manual labor on it. I couldn't even. I, I at the time they told me what he was doing but I, I couldn't believe that a human being would actually be sitting there doing that all day it was just uh, staggering in my mind that any human being could could do that level of manual labor day after day year after year uh, to, to provide uh, somewhat of a mechanical function uh, that that seemed like it should have been done by a machine so I guess I we could have this kind of judgmental uh, feeling about what people's jobs were and, uh, you know, whether or not it could be become more mechanical and, and be replaced by the machine. That that, you know, uh, encourage the usage of more skilled labor, uh, engineering, construction, things like that. But, you know, what happens in, in uh, 20 years, when most of the construction is now being assembled by machines, it's faster, they can put up a building, you know, in 24 hours, which would usually take seven, seven days or a week or multiple weeks to put up because the machine works 24-7 and the materials arrive. They're already, you know, been fabricated. They're modular. Uh, they're put together like components like a Lego. And uh, you know, the assembly of the, the building is fast, uh, you know, and then they come in with the finisher contracts and stuff to to do the interior work on the on the building. But you know, things are gonna uh, be changing uh as as more automation is becoming more available and at a cheaper cost and the functionality is going up. You know, I can't wait to get my robot lawnmower up and running again I need to get the i need to splice my uh power line i got i had it cut i damaged the connector and I need to get that connected I need to put my parameter out and I need to get my robot lawnmower up and working because it did a lot of work for me and uh it made my my job of cutting the grass really easy and and I only had to cut my grass like once a month now i I have to cut it every week, so I can't wait to get my robot back up and working. So those are those things that automation do for us. I mean, they give us more time to do things that we like to do, and they provide, again, as I would say, that luxury that rich nations have.